the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Okay. Happy Thursday. And I mean that. Happy Thursday. I really want you to try and be happy today. While Washington is trying to eat each other, while while the snakes and the alligators in the swamp in D.C. are all chomping at each other today because the the read-through draft, the discussion draft of the health care bill hit about an hour and a half ago. Well, well, they're all getting ready to fight and actually do a little bit of their jobs. You and I have to carry on. You and I have to carry on. And yet something that they come up with, whatever it is, will have an effect on us. Whatever they come up with, we will have to deal with it, right? We will absolutely have to deal with it. And we'll find out. There are um, senators and congressmen who are sniping at each other. There are protesters who have set up outside of Mitch McConnell's office inside the Senate building. They're being carried out as we speak. Bunch of folks who are, are laying down on the ground, actually forcing the Capitol Police to pick them up and carry them out. And, and these aren't like millennials. These appear to be older folks. So these are, um, do we call them senior flakes? Senior snowflakes? And the Capitol Police, they, they don't have the wherewithal to carry these people out. So they're, some of them are getting uh, gurneyed out or they're being put in office chairs and rolled out. Oh, there's one actually getting dragged out. So we'll keep our eyes on this, and we'll keep you apprised of what's going on. It's going to be a very interesting day in D.C., and uh, if you are a pundit, if you are a person who has knowledge of the previous health care bill and you want to weigh in on the current discussion draft, you'll be able to do so. And we'll go through what's different from Obamacare to what's in this 140-some page draft and see if we can make head or tails out of it. There's a whole bunch of other stuff going on in the world. And as a matter of fact, at the end of the show, we have something kind of wonderful going to happen. As um, Simon Cowell, yeah, Simon Cowell, the guy who's made a fortune off of America. Simon Cowell has done what the free market is supposed to do, and that is respond to tragedies and try and be helpful. And we will explain later. But that's a good thing. I really hope you'll join the show today. So many of you jumped in yesterday and we discussed how many genders there were. And the overwhelming majority of you voted. There are two genders. And then the second place winner in the votes was, can we please stop this stupidity? And then uh, two genders and three. uh, There was two genders, three genders, more than three genders and stop the stupidity. Well, I have a slight correction to make, and somebody did write to me and say, you know, there are a, a bunch of people, a teeny tiny group compared to the overall population, but there are a bunch of people who have some messed up DNA, and they are considered to be a third gender. They are, uh, in the words of Archie Bunker, a little bit of both and not enough of neither. 
So there is a third gender, but there are so few of them, you could probably handwrite that Christmas card list and not be tired. So the, the survey, the vital question of the day yesterday was all about how many genders are there. And I did get some email from people that weren't happy that I asked that question. And my only answer to the people that wrote me and, and said quite loudly and in some cases profanely, I'm not happy. That was one of the, the uh, slug lines on the email. And my first reaction was, which one of the dwarves are you if you're not happy? But I thought that would be wrong to send back. But if you're listening, uh, you know who you are. You absolutely know who you are. We will, we will, like I said, we'll get into the healthcare uh, discussion draft that's out there. Because this has got Democrats actually forgetting about Russia for just a few minutes. And they're, they're actually now focused because this would kill Obama's legacy. If this bill comes together and makes it, makes it out of the Senate to the president's desk, if, if the reconciliation with the House works and gets to the president's desk, this would effectively kill Obamacare and Obama's legacy would be absolutely buried. And you know Barack Obama is right now getting hourly updates from people on what this is. And if it gets any closer to actually having a vote, which we understand would happen next Thursday, a week from today, based on the timing, because the House and the Senate want to take that vacation. They want that Independence Day break, just like you do. But um, I think they've given themselves a little wiggle room to maybe have it happen on next Friday. So not tomorrow, but it could happen as early as next Thursday, a week from today or Friday. So we shall see. Much, much, much coming down the pike. The big story, of course, will will be that story. And I always wonder when they put out a bill like this, if John Conyers uh, will say something like he said back in uh, 2009. I, I, I love these members that get up and say, read the bill. What good is reading the bill if it's a thousand pages and, and you don't have uh, two days and two lawyers to find out what it means after you read the bill? Isn't it great how many ridiculous members of Congress we have? Isn't it great we actually have uh, one person who's still in charge, actually, Nancy Pelosi, the woman who told us, you got, you got to have to pass it before you can find out what's in it. And John Conyers, the guy who's saying, wait a minute, I actually have to read a bill and I only have two lawyers and two days to get through it. I'm so sorry for you. Look at you, mister. So the 141 pages, these people have endless clerks. Conyers, please give me a break. Anybody, if anybody says anything like that about this bill, we have to give them a break. And just send them home. That's the break I want to give them. Send them home. All right. Corrections cleared up. I have, I have uh, various ways I can go here. We can go to, uh, 
We can go to last night's pep rally that the president held, which I thought was pretty interesting in Iowa. Uh, We can go to the update on the man arrested for stabbing our cop in the terror attack. Yes, that's what I'm calling it. I know it's being investigated as terror. We can talk about General Mattis. Uh, I do happen to have a really interesting story that I need to tee up and share with you. There, there is a story breaking out of out of Delaware, actually, because this this information comes from some digging I have done. Do you know anybody who's in in the National Guard? I'm sure many in this audience might be in the National Guard or know someone who's in the National Guard. Most of the times when the guardsmen and guardswomen, the people who are in the guard, do their training, they do it in these two-week bursts. Uh, Unless, of course, you're Sean Spicer. Remember, he was supposed to be gone for two weeks and he was gone for three days. And then he came sprinting back because he thought his job was on the line. Uh, But most of the time when a person calls to uh, or gets called to do their guard training and guard duty, they spend a couple of weeks doing whatever it is they normally do. And then they uh, end up, you know, waiting a year and coming back. Well, I have it on good authority that some of the some of the National Guard groups are being trained for a future deployment in places like El Salvador. And I thought, wait a minute. El Salvador? Why why El Salvador? We don't we don't have a an ISIS problem because they're being trained to fight ISIS. They're being trained in places like uh well, let's just say there's a section in Massachusetts. There's a part of rural, very rural Massachusetts that actually looks like a forward operating base. If you went through the trees and you didn't know how far to go deep into this wooded area, you you got through all of the the trees and you would get to the area that has the uh, FOB, forward operating base, set up in it. You would think you're in Afghanistan. That's how much they have set this up to be a realistic training facility. That training facility is complete with Black Hawk helicopters and drills running 24 hours, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And of course, the, the guard deployments that will be going in to help relieve some of our troops that are in theater right now will be, will be in the Middle East. Some of them will be in Afghanistan or Iraq. And we don't yet know how deep our involvement in Syria may become. But I'm now hearing that some of these guard troops will be going to El Salvador because of a connection that is being discovered between ISIS and MS-13. Anybody a little bit nervous? Yeah. We know about MS-13. But there is now um, training going on here in the States. It involves many of our men and women who are in the National Guard who will be going through their two-week training with the potential for deployment. If they are deployed, they will more than likely be going to El Salvador because we believe, or we apparently believe, that ISIS and El Salvador are linking up to bring 
their terror here to America. We already know that El Salvador and MS-13 have bases here in the United States. Donald Trump has talked about MS-13 as, as being a problem. And we've known for years, and the, although the Obama administration looked the other way, MS-13 has been allowed to set up camp in many parts of America. They're bad guys. They're ruthless. They're very, very, very conniving and very difficult people to deal with. And if they hook up with ISIS because it's mutually beneficial to both of them, then we have a situation. So let's just hope, let's just hope that this government is willing to go in, and I'm sure we have to be in touch with the government of El Salvador, willing to go in and do whatever it takes to devastate MS-13 at its source. We know immigration has been working pretty solidly to remove or to move ISIS uh, to, to remove uh, MS-13 groups out of the country. But are they doing enough? Is it moving quickly enough? Apparently, if we're planning to go to El Salvador, and I don't have any DOD confirmation on this, I just have information from inside. If they're planning, if we're training to go to El Salvador, then you got to believe something's going on. I'll do a little more digging. We'll see if we can get a, a request from DOD to tell us or from, from uh, the people that are doing the training of those volunteers, of those brave men and women in the National Guard, if we can find out if they are planning a deployment to El Salvador. If it happens soon, before I get an answer, you know where you heard it first. Michael Pelka and Puro Pelka will be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-8192. That's 800-600-8192. Your Opelka with Mike Opelka. Um, I have to make a confession. I have lost my ability, as the millennials say, to even. I, I have just lost my ability to even. And it's all over something I just saw online. And um, I, I, I have no other explanation than uh, demanding demanding that you want to understand why I have lost on my ability to even. And yeah, that's, that's a total millennial thing. Um, I'm posting it on Twitter as we speak. I have to put this on Twitter. I can't describe it on Twitter. Um, somebody 
it, it's been out for a couple hours now. It, um, it's a swimsuit for the ladies or for those who identify as such a one-piece swimsuit for the ladies that um, well, apparently the title is called Shocked Trump. Shocked Trump. And is Donald Trump's face looking very, 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 very shocked. Uh, printed on a swimsuit. And, you know, I don't know if this is, it can't be flattering to either Trump or the wearer. This is impossible. There's no way in hell that this can be considered flattering to anybody who would wear it or anybody who, or, or to the victim, Donald Trump, or the victims who, who might see it. Certainly this has to violate some sort of fashion law. And the weirdest part is that uh, when Donald Trump is making this um, shocked face, the surprised face, he has um, some spare chins. And it's rather unfortunate the way the, the way the chin, skin, chin markings appear on the, on the body of the model. Where I, I don't know if you admit that you were the model in this, in this picture. I, I, don't, I think this is one of those times that you just tell the family, yeah, I got paid for doing some swimsuit modeling and you just keep moving. Don't tell anybody. And if somebody out there has this, I need you to call in right now, 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. It's called Shocked Trump. And, of course, it, it, it's out there. Oh, boy. It, it might be a sign the world is ending today. This might be the signal that, that we are about to completely lose all control and everything is going to just circle down the drain. And there we go. A couple of uh, interesting responses from those of you in the vast and unpaid resource department, the smartest listeners on the planet. The Duchess of Kofefe, Stacey Rippey, writes, uh, her representative just got yanked for uh, duty for deployment in Somalia. So a representative going off to Somalia, Tulsa Tulsa District 25, Representative uh, Bixby. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's the town. Uh, The representative is Newhouse, representing District 25, including Tulsa, Bixby, Broken Arrow, and Jenks, Oklahoma, headed to Somalia. Well, sir... Senator Newhouse, uh, God bless and safe travel, sir. We were talking about the the information I got that says we're we're going to be sending some of our National Guard to um, places like El Salvador to fight ISIS as it joins up with MS-13. Very disturbing. And uh, the Nerf Herder uh, 36, Nerf Herder 36, does that mean there are 35 other Nerf Herders? I just wonder. On Twitter says, I'm still disturbed that our active duty military and reserves are so small that we have to deploy National Guard overseas. I am with you. I am with you, Mr. Herder. Completely with you. 
it is disturbing, but yet these are the men and women who volunteer on our behalf. They are, uh, they are among the best among us. So that's why I like to keep track of what they're doing and pray for them. Taking a break, when we come back, we'll get into more of this. Um, if you really want to see it, I posted a photo of the shocked Trump bathing suit on the Twitter. Share it with friends, especially those who will laugh out loud because they probably need it. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. If you haven't heard any angry rhetoric out of Democrats for a week or two, then today's your opportunity. You'll be able to turn on virtually any news channel you wish, whether it's liberal, conservative, or whatever. And pretty much here, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, and uh, Dick Durbin, just about anybody, going off on the 140 pages, 142 pages, from uh, our, our friends in the, um, in the Republican Party who put out their discussion copy. This is a draft, known as a discussion draft, of the health care bill, that they would like to have a discussion they would like to have a discussion with uh, both um, members of the House and the Senate. Well, mostly members of the Senate. This will first go to the Senate. They'll have discussion. They'll have proposals for uh, different amendments. And, and then they'll go on to uh, a little bit more time of debating it. And then there will be a vote. Of course, Chucky e. Schumer and Dick Durbin are very upset that they weren't included, that they weren't invited to the party. But then again, they're probably having flashbacks that this is what they said would happen to them once they were out of power back in 2009 when they really did not include the Republicans in the Affordable Care Act discussions. And when they were told, you, you really need to include Republicans because one day you'll be out of power and there'll be a, a bill that you will want to be a part of and and, uh, oh, don't be stupid. We'll never be out of power. We have a 60 votes in the Senate. Oh, oh, wait, look. So we'll try and give you a little bit of what's, what's in the bill and what's not in the bill. What's in the House bill versus the Senate bill. One of the big things that most of us were disturbed about from Obamacare was that individual mandate that required most Americans to have health insurance or pay a fine. And this was also going to force expansion of the IRS, and they were going to be suddenly this uh, enforcement arm. And remember, we had all of, the, all of the questions about why is the IRS buying so many bullets? 
Why are all these government agencies uh, basically arming up? Well, the individual mandate from the from Obamacare. It uh, it it kind of was in the House bill, but not in the House bill. In the House bill, the the um, the individual mandate becomes uh, sort of a a premium charge. So if you purchase a new plan after you've let your coverage lapse, the insurance companies can hit you with a 30% premium surcharge. And each individual state would then choose to have this this penalty uh, bigger or worse. It's about incentivizing healthy people to stay insured. In the current Senate draft, the individual mandate is totally eliminated. Nothing replacing it. No incentive for people to get insurance. The employer mandate is the other thing. There's a whole lot of mandates. These are governments mandating things happen. The employer mandate required bigger companies to have affordable coverage offered to their employees. In both the House and the Senate drafts on this bill, the House bill that passed, that is eliminated completely. And then the other one that's often talked about is um, the young adults being able to stay in their parents' health insurance plan until they are 26 years old. Um, A lot of people have talked about that. Apparently, based on what we can figure out, and granted this bill just kind of leaked out, or it was just posted a little bit before the show, but those, those are staying in there, those provisions. So young adults, no matter what you're saying, it, it, this bill, as Chuck Schumer's going to call it, mean, and he's quoting Donald Trump, they're going to keep saying mean, 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 mean. No matter what you hear, this, the employer mandate, which actually could help uh, people who have been stuck in 29-hour-a-week jobs, maybe get more hours at work. Maybe. Young adults are allowed to stay on their parents' health care coverage. And uh, there's a couple of difference of opinion on the individual mandate. So we'll, we'll get into that. Now, paying for the coverage is interesting. Affordable Care Act has tax credits that are based on income and age and location, geography. And um, they benefit lower-income people, moderate-income people, because you were supposed to be able to buy through these marketplaces, these exchanges. And in the House bill, they had tax credits that were based on age or related to age, not necessarily tied to income. The amount would not increase when premiums increased, however, and people living in the higher-cost areas wouldn't receive any any extra money. So there was no no real uh, relationship to actual cost of living based on where you are in the House bill. In the Senate bill, the tax credits, like Obamacare, would primarily be based on age, income, and geography. But they would be made to uh, cover a, a, a thinner plan, as it were. And people needed to have lower income than uh, the Obamacare levels of income were. So you had to be worse off financially in the Senate bill. Now, in terms of the cost sharing, um, the Obamacare had these cost sharing subsidies that were provided to insurers to help some of their customers cover co-payments, deductibles, et cetera. In the House bill, 
These are over in three years. In 2020, they're done. And Trump could actually, based on executive action, he could cut those off earlier. In the Senate bill, they also end in 2020. And Trump could also. So that's pretty much the same on those cost-sharing subsidies. In, uh, in the category of pre-existing conditions, that's also another big thing that the Democrats are, are hooting and hollering about, saying, what about pre-existing conditions? Because this was a hot button for many people, many voters. In, in the Obamacare, insurance companies could not increase premiums or deny coverage to anybody based on a pre-existing condition. Under the House bill, the states could allow insurers to increase somebody's premiums based on pre-existing conditions if they had a lapse in their coverage. So in other words, if you let your coverage die and then you went to get coverage, you, you could get an increased premium because you had a pre-existing condition. And some of the states would set up uh, a high-risk pool to cover the sickest people. And then the federal government would have its own $8 billion fund to help cover those sick people's high premiums. This was one of the things that was bandied about when the House bill came through. They said $8 billion is nothing. It's a drop in the bucket. Now, under, under the Senate bill, it's pretty much Obamacare. It's the same thing. Insurance companies can't increase anyone's premiums or deny coverage based on pre-existing conditions. So... In the Senate bill, when you hear someone like Rand Paul or Ted Cruz or maybe Mike Lee say that this feels like Obamacare light, there are a couple of places you can point to that it actually looks like Obamacare. Now, it goes on. There's more here that we can talk about. I know this is geeky. I know this is total wonky, but this is what the argument is today. So if somebody says, well, what about pre-existing conditions? The Senate bill has it. What about staying on your parents' insurance? The Senate bill has it. So I want to know where, where's the elimination of Obamacare and where is, where's the actual saving? Where are we going to get back a, a free market approach to health care? This, this goes on. Again, we're talking on how you're going to pay for this and how you pay for coverage, you as an individual. Insurance companies under Obamacare could charge older customers up to three times more than they charge younger customers. So there was a price differential based on age. There was a, a, a bias built into Obamacare that said if somebody's older, you can charge them more money than you charge young customers. And basically, that's what insurance companies do because younger people don't get as sick as often as older people do. That's just basic uh, actuarial accounting. I think that's the right term. Under the House bill, however, insurance companies would be allowed to charge older customers up to five times more than charge younger customers. Although in the House bill, states could change this. And there's, there's no real clarity on the wording of whether it could be higher than five to one or whether it was going to be lower. In the, in the Senate bill, it's, it's the same thing as Obamacare, but instead of three, up to three times more than younger customers, you can charge up to five times more. And therein lies one of the ways that the Democrats can say this is not just a, 
a mean bill. It's a meaner bill because it allows insurance companies to charge up to five times higher rates than it charges younger people. Well, Obamacare was allowing three times. And, and basically, what's the difference? Three times or five times? It, it's, it's both a hideous increase, if you ask me, if you're trying to be fair. But then the free market would say that insurance companies should be allowed to set rates and people be allowed to buy them as they see fit. Individuals, you know, the health savings account, under Obamacare, you could put money, pre-tax money, into health savings accounts up to $6,750. Individuals up to $3,400, families up to $6,750. In, in the House bill, the health savings accounts pretty much double. Individuals go up to $6,500 and families up to $13,100. Now, that's a chunk of money. If you can put over $1,000 a month into a health savings account and not be taxed on it, if you're in a 30% tax bracket, that's going to save you three grand a month. So that's a pretty healthy deal. And those are health savings accounts, meaning you have to spend that money every year on your health-related expenses and or health care. And uh, the Senate bill is just is kind of um, vague because it says people can put more into their health savings accounts than under the Affordable Care Act. So it's, it's just kind of vague. There's nothing there. But in the House bill, health savings accounts, and this might be a place where the House and the Senate in reconciliation will say, hey, we're going to take care of the health savings accounts. There's a couple more points I want to get into, but I think I should step aside and take a break. We'll look at high-risk pool creation We'll look at other key elements of the of the comparison of the bills. I know it's wonky, but it is the news of the day, and we'll cover it next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. Welcome back. We were uh, discussing the difference between Obamacare, the House bill that passed the House, barely, and the Senate bill, the the one that we saw the 140-page discussion draft come out today. And uh, I got to the point of a couple of different things here in, in the bill. There's only a couple things left. In terms of Medicaid, the states are able to expand Medicaid to cover people making more than the poverty line, up to 138% on Obamacare. And then the federal government would cover a, a giant outsized portion of those costs. In, in the House bill, the states would not be able to expand Medicaid after this year. And the states that do expand it by the deadline the federal government will pay a smaller portion, so they would cut it for people who sign up after 2019. In, um, in the Senate bill that just came out, states that expand Medicaid, the federal government would pay, again, a smaller portion, another talking point that the Democrats will use saying it's the mean bill. Any other critical elements here? 
Um, under the Obamacare, they have this essential health benefits clause. Well, uh, in the House bill, the states can change and decide what's in the essential health benefits area, and that's also in the Senate bill. In the um, Obamacare, Planned Parenthood is eligible for Medicaid reimbursements, but federal money cannot fund abortions. In uh, the House bill, there's a one-year Medicaid funding freeze for Planned Parenthood. Same in the Senate bill. So now you know why Planned Parenthood is totally against this, because at, at best, they... Um, they lose one year of funding if the House or the Senate bill passes. And that's not to say there won't be changes. This is the discussion bill. This is the one that they bring out to have everybody discuss. And then they'll begin the arguments. They'll begin the debate. They'll begin talking about amendments. And there is limited time because this is going through a budget reconciliation program. It is not a new bill. And that was a political maneuver made on behalf of the, de- of the Republicans to get them to be able to push this through quicker. If everything works as McConnell and company have planned, there will be a vote next Thursday. Maybe next Friday. We'll see. Come on back. Pure Opelka with Michael Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.